Welcome to Hot Off The Wire, a daily podcast that looks at the top news, business, sports, and entertainment stories as reported by the Associated Press. I'm Terry Lipschutz, Senior Producer for Elite Enterprises and your Curator of News. Be sure to subscribe to Hot Off The Wire through Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss daily news updates. And now, the latest headlines. This is AP News. I'm Rita Foley. The military says divers have found the remains of five crew members of a U.S. Air Force Osprey aircraft that crashed last week off the coast of Japan. They discovered the remains along with the wreckage of the aircraft. The body of one victim was recovered and identified earlier. The AP's Jennifer King. There have been several crashes involving Ospreys, and Japanese officials have expressed concern about the safety of the hybrid tilt rotor aircraft. Under a cooperative agreement, Japan has handed over authority for the crash investigation to the U.S. military. Rahm Emanuel, the U.S. ambassador to Japan, has pledged transparency, saying the top priority is the safety of service members as well as the communities where they operate. I'm Jennifer King. A U.S. warship in the Red Sea shot down three drones in self-defense yesterday, says the U.S. military. This as missiles fired by Yemen's Houthi rebels hit three commercial ships in the Red Sea. The strikes linked to the Israel-Hamas war. Residents in and around Han Yunus in southern Gaza say they heard airstrikes and explosions this morning. The AP's Charles de Ledesma. Israel's widening its ground offensive and bombarding targets across the Gaza Strip. The expanded offensive following the collapse of a week-long ceasefire is aimed at eliminating Gaza's Hamas rulers, whose October 7 attack into Israel ignited the war. Israel appears to be racing to strike a death blow against Hamas, if that's even possible, before it's pressed into another ceasefire. But the increased tempo of operations, which have reportedly hundreds of civilians could further accelerate that timetable and render even larger parts of the isolated territory unlivable. I'm Charles de Ledesma. How to help poor countries deal with global warming. An idea this morning at COP28, the UN Climate Summit overseas. Tax the nations of the world. This is AP News. Beyonce's number one in the theaters, the AP's Margie Zarletta. Beyonce's concert film Renaissance is the top box office draw this weekend. At any point, they could close their eyes and be right back there and take it with them. Renaissance, a film by Beyonce, debuts at number one, earning $21 million domestically, according to AMC Theaters. It was not expected to have the opening that the movie Taylor Swift The Eras Tour did, which opened with nearly $93 million in October. Still, early December is usually slow for movies, and Renaissance is the first movie in 20 years to open on this weekend with more than $20 million. Number two this weekend is The Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. Godzilla Minus One debuted in third, followed by Trolls Band Together. Wish is fifth. I'm Archie Zaraleta. Heavy rain, mountain snow, and high winds through this week across the Northwest. I'm Rita Foley, AP News. AP Sports, I'm David Schuster. It was going to be controversial no matter what four teams were named for college football's playoff, and sure enough, some feathers were ruffled. Number one, Michigan, will go against four Alabama in one semifinal with two Washington against three Texas in the other semi, but undefeated Florida State was left out, leaving committee chairman Boo Corrigan to respond. In the eyes of the committee, the Florida State is a different team without Jordan Travis, and it's you know one of the things we do consider is player availability, right? And our job is to rank you know, the best teams 
And then the final decision looking at that was Alabama at four and Florida State at five. To the NFL and Tyreek Hill with another big day as Miami crushed Washington 45-15. Hill with 157 yards receiving and two touchdowns. The way that this league is, you know, if you if you somehow get complacent, if you somehow, you know, start, start feeling yourself, it'll catch up with you fast. We got a great, you know, group of leaders on this team on both sides of the ball. I think we'll be all right. Also with a big day receiving was Nico Collins as Houston down Denver 22-17. Collins with 191 yards. We're blessed for this win. You know, to get win seven, man, at home against a very solid team, man. That's all that matter. You know, so we're getting ready for New York next week. You know, that's a big time win. We got to continue to do our job, continue to keep going, and uh, continue to be us. In a rematch of last season's NFC title game, San Francisco overwhelmed Philadelphia 42-19. Brock Purdy throwing four TD passes. When everyone's doing their part, everything's clicking, obviously. Um, some great play calls. And then, um, you know, everyone just makes plays and does it the right way. We protect the ball. Uh, defense does their job. Um, that, that, that felt good. Other winners Sunday, Indianapolis, Detroit, Atlanta, Arizona, Tampa Bay, the L.A. Rams, Chargers, and Green Bay. Baseball news, Jim Leland, a three-time manager of the year, was elected to the Hall of Fame, and golf, Scotty Scheffler won the Hero World Challenge. I'm David Schuster, AP Sports. A new group of entertainers has been given Kennedy Center honors in Washington. I'm Archie Zaroleta with the latest. <laughs> Barry Gibb, Renee Fleming, Queen Latifah, Billy Crystal, and Dionne Warwick were honored for their contributions to the arts at the Kennedy Center in Washington. President Joe Biden hosted them at a White House reception. Biden says Warwick discovered her voice as a six-year-old at her grandfather's church. She sang for the congregation, finding her gift and her calling that now spans seven decades. Biden says Crystal is a showman with a heart of gold. Queen Latifah is a natural storyteller. Gibb and his brothers left an enduring mark on pop music. And Fleming's voice is like jewels floating like butterflies. The late Supreme Court Justice Sandra Day O'Connor is being remembered as a champion for women's rights before, during, and after her service on the nation's highest court. Sandra Day O'Connor was the first and only woman on the U.S. Supreme Court until then-President Clinton nominated the late Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg in 1993. It's all right to be the first to do something, but I didn't want to be the last woman on the Supreme Court. <laughs> Ginsburg described O'Connor as a great big sister. O'Connor said even though they didn't look anything alike, some lawyers would confuse them, prompting her to wear a t-shirt saying, The Supremes, I'm Sandra, not Ruth. In 2012, years after her retirement, she called for more women to serve on the Supreme Court, even after the appointments of Sonia Sotomayor and Elena Kagan. Maybe you haven't noticed, but I think about 51 or 52 percent of the population are female. After that, Justice Amy Coney Barrett was nominated by then-President Trump, and Justice Katanji Brown-Jackson was named by President Biden. O'Connor noted in 1952, even though she was the top-ranked graduate of Stanford University's prestigious law school, because she was a woman, she had trouble getting hired. O'Connor retired from the court in 2006. She died Friday at the age of 93. I'm Jackie Quinn. U.S. health officials say winter viruses are in full swing. Federal health experts say flu is picking up steam, while RSV lung infections that can hit kids and older people hard may be peaking. COVID-19, though, continues to cause the most hospitalizations and deaths among respiratory illnesses, about 15,000 hospitalizations and about 1,000 deaths every week. That's according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. 
As for the flu season, seven states were reporting high levels of flu-like illnesses in early November. The tally was up to 11 states, mostly in the south and southwest. I'm Norman Hall. Oregon State, Washington State, and the Mountain West announced a football scheduling agreement Friday for the 2024 season that gives the two remaining Pac-12 schools six opponents each and positions them to operate as a two-team conference for at least a year. All 12 Mountain West schools will be involved, and Oregon State and Washington State will each play three home games and three road games against members of the conference. Oregon State and Washington State will pay about $14 million to the Mountain West next year year as part of the agreement. I'm Geffen Coolbaugh. On this week's AP Religion Roundup, charges in a New York assassination plot against a religious separatist leader could complicate U.S.-India relations. Prosecutors in New York City say an Indian national has been charged in an assassination plot. The plot targeted a prominent Sikh leader who advocates for an ethno-religious state in the Punjab region along the India and Pakistan border. AP's Donna Warder has the story. 52-year-old Nick Gupta is accused of murder for hire and conspiracy to commit murder for hire. U.S. officials say they became aware in the spring of a plot to kill Gurpatwant Singh Panoon, who lives in New York and is pushing for the creation of a sovereign Sikh state in India. Panoon is considered a terrorist by the Indian government, and he alleges that India is paying hundreds of thousands to kill him. For me, the indictment of Nick Gupta is indictment of Indian Prime Minister Narendra Modi, who has a track record of a known human rights violator who uses violence to suppress the political dissent. A spokesperson for India's External Affairs Ministry says India has taken the allegations seriously and is examining the issue. Panoon says getting rid of him will not stop the push for a separatist state. If the cost is my death, I'm ready to face the price. But the underlying question is not going to be solved if India kills me. The underlying question is not threat to my life. The underlying question is the existential threat the Sikh community is facing under the successive Indian regimes. If they kill Panu, there are going to be 100,000 more Panus who will be working on the freedom of and independence of Punjab. It's the second accusation against the Indian government this year. In June, Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau alleged that the Indian government may have been linked to the killing of a Sikh separatist near Vancouver. The U.S. case is particularly sensitive given the high priority that President Joe Biden has placed on improving ties with India. He's been courting India to be a major partner in the push to counter China's increasing assertiveness. The Sikh religion has about 25 to 30 million adherents worldwide. I'm Walter Ratliff. I'm Terry Lipschitz, thanking you for listening. Audio provided by the Associated Press. Music is by Skillcell and provided through Pixabay. Be sure to subscribe to Hot Off The Wire on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode.